You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, I see you kicking yourself over that over that free throw, but what were you thinking when Giannis got that last look, 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 that last look? Uh, that we're in good shape. We have a signature win to break down here on today's Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I am your host, Brendan Clean. You can follow our show on Twitter and on Instagram at Locked On PHX Suns, and you can follow me on Twitter at Brendan Clean 14. 125, 124, the final score here for the Suns at home, their fourth straight victory. They are now 15 and 9. We will break all of it down. First, wanted to tell you about the title sponsor of today's show, which is Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. But yes, 125-104, the Suns win despite Giannis Antetokounmpo's 47 points, 21 free throw attempts, and 5 assists. It wasn't enough in the end for the Bucs. The, the Suns emerge victorious. They bounce back after a difficult second half that saw Giannis really just demoralizingly, that's a very long word that I'm not sure is real, but demoralizingly beat up on the Suns inside. They they were calling just about every foul for Giannis. Um, got Kaminsky four fouls, Aiton had five fouls, and it didn't really much seem to matter who was guarding him, what they were doing, until about the fourth quarter or so when, you know, transition got taken away. The Bucks were not able to run like they normally do. They were not making threes like they had in the first half. And uh, Jay Crowder was the adjustment. Uh, unsurprisingly, for those who watched Miami in the bubble last year, but it seemed like a sort of ace in the hole that Monty did not want to go to, and he did late, and Crowder forces a turnover, and the Suns come back. Booker goes one of two from the free throw line, a very narrow margin, but enough ultimately to hold on to the victory. Booker finishes with 30, and Chris Paul finishes with 28 of his own, as well as seven assists. So I'll take you through all of it. Uh, Who had a good game, which was just about everybody what was working, and why it was working, and what this says about this team. I want to get into that as well because personally, I think this is, as I said, a a signature win, one we will look back on, a statement win as well. Maybe not for those of us who have been watching all along. I I predicted the Suns would win at Bright Side of the Sun in my preview this morning. I thought it made sense that 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 could be possible. I felt like the offense was was gearing up toward a big performance. I felt like this team was was gelling the right ways. I thought that it was possible, but it was on ESPN. It's against the Bucks, and uh, Devin Booker, as you heard at the beginning of the show, there went viral a little bit, and and so with with his comments and his confidence, his his uh, steadfastness about his own abilities and everything else that we all know. But a lot of this stuff is not. Uh, there for the big-time national audience, and I think this one will get them there. But as always, let's first here dive into 
the key stretch of tonight's game. Most of the fourth quarter, he checks back in with those five fouls, and the Suns are down three points, or they're up three points, sorry. Chris Paul makes both of his free throws to put them up four, and then from that point on, you basically just see the Suns execute and take have their stars sort of take them home. Booker makes two jumpers, both off of uh, actually wanting the Chris Middleton matchup. He got a switch. He, he basically called for a switch, had Mikhail Bridges come uh, screen for him so that Middleton could be the defender, which is not what you normally see. Chris Middleton, an all-defense caliber guy, but Booker wanted that. I think the quickness was what I was noticing. He's just a little faster than Chris Middleton is, and I think he was comfortable with that matchup by the end of the game. So he makes a couple jumpers. Chris Middleton himself misses two free throws in there. That second jumper by Booker puts the Suns up eight, but the game's far from done. Giannis gets a layup, an and one layup where Crowder fouls him, which we'll revisit in a moment because Crowder mentioned that play as showing him how aggressive Giannis was being, taking advantage of the whistle he was getting. Then you have Paul misses a, a jumper off of a... Uh, sort of in front of Brooke Lopez, the shot that he made all night misses it this time. Booker misses a step back from the right elbow, not the left elbow. Maybe that's why he missed it, but he got to his spot there at the free throw line on the right side, but had two guys all over him, missed it. Aiton gets the offensive rebound and then turns it over. DiVincenzo steals it. Really, really bad play that I think we would have been looking back on negatively from Aiton, if not for the win. Aiton was very good the rest of the night, but that was a mistake that he would have really, he probably still does regret it right now, but particularly if it had resulted in a win, because what happened after that is DiVincenzo gets that steal, drives it down the floor, finds Chris Middleton wide, wide, wide open from three in the corner. He makes the three. Now the Bucks are suddenly only down two. Chris Paul misses another one. Another jumper, pull up from mid-range, two untimely misses, and Giannis gets another dunk. And so here we are, tie game. That is when Booker gets that switch again, just isolates just a couple steps in front of the three-point line, uh, has the, the step going, the jab step, has, you know, Middleton doesn't really know what's coming and ends up fouling him. He actually has a nice dribble move. If Booker had stayed on balance, I think he could have made a shot from there, but he, he smartly gets to the basket anyway, draws the foul, makes just one, but that would be the final points of the game. Middleton turns the ball over because Crowder pulls the chair out from under Giannis. Giannis falls down as the pass from Middleton is coming, and then Booker misses another jumper which was uh, particularly interesting considering that Paul scored 10 points in the fourth quarter and Booker had that foul drawn as well as the two jumpers of his own. But that late, they, they both missed a couple big ones and still won the game because Lopez grabs the defensive rebound with 2.8 seconds left. And then the, the Bucks really hardly ran much of any offense there at the end. Giannis gets the ball out behind the three-point arc and just 
seems to misjudge. I think he had enough time, to be honest, personally, that he could have gotten all the way to the basket. Aiton's out there on him. Does a good job, you know, taking away his ground and making him clearly second-guess things. He pulls up way before I feel like he needs to, and the shot misses. 20-foot pull-up jumper, never even had a chance. Hit, hit off the side of the rim and then off the backboard and missed an ugly miss and not what the Bucks would have liked to get in that spot at all. Uh, I had a fan post game on Twitter say that like if that's the type of set that they were going to run, which is just to spring a guy open to operate from the perimeter, Middleton should have been the guy. And I think I agree. Like Giannis, if you're going to get him in position to get around the basket with how well he was drawing fouls, the, the, the whistle he was getting and the the way the refs were helping him out there and just obviously his overall physicality and athleticism and, and greatness, then sure. But if that's the, the type of thing you're going to do, then it makes no sense for that, to be honest. It clearly should have been Middleton, in my opinion. But uh, not to complain, the Suns emerge with a victory as a result of it and walk away once again with that fourth straight victory, 15-9 and nine now, and the offense really, really coming together. I'll break that down. In the next segment, want to dive through some of why I think that's happening and, and some of the trends we've continued to see. But first, the title sponsor of today's show, which is Rock Auto. The main reason that we repair and maintain our cars on our own, do it ourselves, watch YouTube videos, try to find the right parts and save the money is because you can use that on more important stuff. And, and don't we all know that in 2020 and 2021, it's pretty important to make sure that we're uh, accounting for all of our dollars and not wasting and, and being frugal and being smart. And honestly, car companies, car manufacturers, even parts companies can really do the opposite for you. Uh, chain stores that you go into, the dealership, wherever it is, they're going to have different price tiers for a do-it-yourselfer versus the pro. And on the other hand, Rock Auto their prices are the same, and they're reliably low. So rockauto.com always offers the lowest price available rather than basing on what the market will bear, and it's for everybody, which means you do not require a membership or even a login. Just check out as a guest, get what you need, get out of there. They have everything from an engine control module and a brake part to something simpler like some motor oil or new carpet. Easy to use catalog, easy to navigate, so you can quickly see all the parts available, like for me, it would be a 2012 Hyundai Elantra LE with the tech package. As we all know, it can be quite a pain to find. Make sure everything is exactly right. RockAuto.com makes that easy. And best of all, once again, those prices are reliably low and the same for everybody. So go to RockAuto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so that they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Back here, let's talk about the offense after this 125-124 Suns victory. First, I wanted to remind you guys to check out the More Than a Game series that we are doing on the Locked On Presents feed. Don't miss this week's episode featuring Candace Cooper of Locked On Tar Heels and Erica Ayala of Locked On Women's Basketball discussing the opportunities and challenges that come with being a black woman in sports. There's a new episode coming next week, so go ahead and subscribe to the Locked On Presents feed on the Radio.com app or wherever you get your podcasts. But yeah, the offense is worth an entire segment here. I usually 
cycle through some players who are performing particularly well or had a great game. Uh, tonight, I think everybody you look at up and down this roster, this rotation, played well. 53% from the field, 48% from three, 25 assists to just 11 turnovers. All the vital signs there for the offense. Even got to the line 25 times, which, as we know, is pretty rare for this team. So everything was sort of clicking. But I think the big sort of reason for that is a continuation of what we saw on Sunday against Boston, which was, and a little bit to a certain extent on Monday against uh, the Cavs, but that game didn't have Paul, so it's harder to take much from it. But overall, we're seeing the sharing between Booker and Paul continue to evolve. I'm going to write about that at Forbes for uh, on Friday, I believe, when you guys are going to be maybe listening to this, depending on when you are. I'm getting disoriented from, it's already Thursday as I record this for you guys, but most of you will listen to this Thursday. Look out for this piece because I think it will go into more detail, have some video on this, but we saw Chris Paul on Sunday against Boston have two assists. Tonight he had seven. You know, there were a lot of games early on, even when they were winning, where he would get 10 to 15 routinely. And of course that's good and and they were winning. So you're not going to complain about those games, but I think what happened there was you were seeing those gaudy numbers from Paul and in some part as a result of the over control, I think that it's fair to say he had on the offense. And I think it's natural that with how much the team already was deferring to him as a leader and as an off court sort of presence, as well as just wanting to absorb and learn from him that they would probably maybe go a little too far in that direction on the court and allow him to control probably more than he needed to. And so we're seeing the natural resolution of that, if you will, where Paul is now not quite as extreme on those assists, more in the 5-10 to range most nights, I think, is what we can expect, but scoring at a much higher clip. And I, I talked about dating back to maybe the Thunder game that they lost or some of those games before Booker's injury where we really saw Paul's three-point shot really ever since the return after the COVID absence, I would say, um, that Paul has been making threes and making them off the bounce and incorporating that into his preferred offense a little more. And so what that unlocked is that he's more lethal as a scorer right now. He can score at all three levels, not a ton at the rim, but enough to keep the defense honest. And he's making the jumper from everywhere. He's being used more as a scorer. And I think when you look at it, what I'm being more reminded of than anything is the dynamic between him and Harden in Houston. And I think that was something that you could hope that they would strive for. I don't mean how they're playing. You know, this team's not going to play as fast, probably even as those Rockets teams did, nor are they going to be so ISO and three-point heavy. But overall, I just mean the balance. The the fact that Paul is looking to score a ton and, and looking to be a spot-up threat and an off-ball offensive threat. He even had a cut to the basket. I think he ended up turning it into an assist or just continued to move the ball. But it, Chris Paul cutting is not something many people will be used to. Even in, the, in those Rockets days, not a lot of cutting really happened in their offense. So the fact that he's really buying in like that and they're sharing like he did with Harden is all amazing stuff because what you see there then as a as a trickle-down is Book scores 30. He is kind of his, his usual offense nine free throws, only shoots four threes, but is just deadly inside the arc. And he has three assists of his own. And so 
I think that number could be could be up. I asked Monty about it pregame. He basically said, you know, most games he would expect Paul to have more assists. Most games the ball's still going to primarily begin possessions in Paul's hands in terms of who's initiating and everything, but that he's kind of optimistic about how they are meshing and sharing and balancing that load because as Paul said post game and obviously I know a lot of you are going to say, well Drew Holiday was out, but Paul's point still stands because not a lot of teams have two. <laughs> that perimeter defense on most teams is is coming from one guy. There's one sort of lockdown guy that, that you're going to get thrown on to you if you are the primary scorer. And the Suns have two right now. And they have Paul and Booker who both can score, both can pass, both can play make, and both are really functioning at a high level in this offense right now. So it's just not going to be easy. Middleton wasn't up for the task. He's not too, you can't clone himself, right? And yes, Holiday, when he's in there, he's probably going to be the the Chris Paul defender and Middleton would be the Booker defender in those situations. And so we'll have to see. Hopefully these teams can play again at full strength and we'll see that. Um, but the point still stands because not every team has a Holiday and a Middleton. Most teams have one. And when both of these guys are going, you just have to have a lesser defender on one of them. And that's what we saw. We saw... You know, everybody from DiVincenzo guarded Paul to start. We saw, you know, guys like Augustine and Pat Connaughton have to do it. It's just not ideal for those guys to be guarding Chris Paul when he's at the peak of his powers. And so that's where the offense really, in my opinion, mostly trickled down from. But you have to give some some kudos to Frank Kaminsky and what he's been doing as well. He's he's a guy that I'm, I think, probably too hesitant to praise sometimes. I think for the most part, he's just doing a lot of what you would see Dario Saric doing, but Frank just happens to be healthy right now. But I think both of those guys understand this system, having spent last year in it, and understand the function that they can play as sort of floor-spacing big men. And when Kaminsky's out there, man, the guys, they, they cut. They cut more than they do with, I think, just about any other playmaker. And so... I think that's been a real boon for this offense. And the fact that they were able to make it work despite the weird, wonky matchups that they had to be forced into, although tonight it was pretty sound because Aiton was able to defend Giannis, which just meant that Kaminsky could defend Brooke Lopez. That's a pretty natural matchup. Um, but sometimes it got a little weirder. Bobby Portis in there or pass games where it's, you know, on... On Sunday, Kaminsky's defending Jason Tatum in stretches. So despite how unnatural it's been at times and and that it's a little bit of a archaic sort of grouping with Kaminsky and Aiton both starting and playing heavy, heavy minutes together, it's worked. And I think the big reason why is because when Frank's been out there, they're scoring. They're making teams take it out from the basket time and again. Teams are not able to run on them because their offense has just been so good. And so... Uh, I don't know if Frank stays in the rotation, as I talked about in the mailbag yesterday. I don't know if Frank stays in the rotation past Dario's return, but for right now, Dario's return is seems a long way away, and Kaminsky is uh, a perfectly fine replacement. I do wonder if Crowder maybe gets into the starting lineup after the performance that he had, which I might get into in, in a moment um, in the next segment. But even if Kaminsky's not starting, he's been a huge, huge factor. We now, I, I guess, Monty can feel decently about playing lineups with both of those two guys in there, which is a unique look that they can at least try. Uh, it looked better now than it than it did early on when they went to it against the Pacers and the 
Pistons. So we'll have to see if 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 that's something Monty continues to go to if Crowder does start and and whatever the ripple effects here are. But Kaminsky's been great. Had a career tied a career high with eight assists. Nearly had a, a triple double for the second time in about two weeks. And here. Just making this lineup work, a a real testament to him and another reason why this offense is at full strength right now. It is a 130.1 offensive rating that they finished with, shot with a 64% true shooting, which is just incredible. So all, all the indicators are very much telling us that this offense is where it needs to be. We'll have to see if that continues against Philly on Saturday, which is a hell of a, a come down matchup after this game. But should be a good one nonetheless. Let's close the show with a couple of our usual our usual uh, recap segments. Talking about Chris Paul a little, Mikhail Bridges a little maybe, and then I'll, I'll add a new one in with Jay Crowder because I think it's, it's the right time to introduce it after what he did tonight. But before all of that, I want to tell you about a couple more sponsors of today's show, including Bet Online. BetOnline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The Super Bowl marked the end of the football calendar, but over in the NBA side of things, college basketball, NHL, even MLB, all ramping up or already in full swing. So plenty of sports action as well as BetOnline even covers award shows, TV shows, and reality TV. So if you're like me and you're a movie buff, you love the Oscars stuff, it's a little bit of a weird year. But nonetheless, there's always plenty to bet on. That stuff has an incredible market, so check that stuff out as well. There's real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine in the sports and entertainment landscape. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best place for your bets, and it's free for all to sign up. So head to the website right now or use your mobile device to download the app. Sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus when you use the promo code Locked On. For your first deposit. Again, make your first deposit at Bet Online. Use the promo code LOCKED ON and get a 50% welcome bonus. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Want to also tell you about 1010. This episode is brought to you by 1010, which you may have heard about in the New York Times, InStyle Magazine, or Forbes, but I'm excited to tell you a little more about it. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful commitment ring, and they're available available now exclusively at BlueNile.com. When they're gone, they're gone. We all know that the diamond engagement ring is iconic. It's a timeless expression of the deepest commitment between two people. And with 1010, it's been beautifully re-envisioned in the hands of those 10 modern designers who worked exclusively with sustainably sourced diamonds. So if you're ready to mark a special commitment or are looking for a unique and meaningful way to celebrate Valentine's Day this year, you're definitely going to want to check 1010 out. Again, this exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings is available exclusively for you at Blue Nile. Closing out the show here with our usual recap segments, as many of them as I can get to here. Wanted to remind you really quickly, though, to check out Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Josh Lloyd is, in my opinion, one of the better hosts on our entire network and the best fantasy basketball show that is out there, period. It's uh, can't miss stuff. If you like fantasy, if you've been thinking about getting involved, if you do daily, if you do dynasty leagues, if you do season long stuff, 
Josh is an expert on all of it. He recaps every single day of action as well as bigger picture shows on, you know, waiver stuff or good values on those daily shows or daily games, whatever it is, Josh has it for you. Bridges breakout watch, I think is where we should start. I jinxed him, I think, tonight. I tweeted that he hadn't missed a shot. He started this game six of six, including three of three from three for 15 points, and then he missed a layup and then did not shoot again. So I I apologize to Mikhail for that. I was actually sort of surprised here that he didn't have more of a role on Giannis. There was one possession late in the fourth quarter where he actually did help on Giannis. I believe it was the... It might have been a shot where where Giannis ended up still getting a layup or an assist, but Bridges was in there with his arms, and, and Giannis bobbled the ball, and I was just thinking back to a lot of what the Heat were able to do. It's part of why I was surprised Crowder didn't start in this game, as well as why they didn't match Crowder up on Giannis more often, because what the Heat did last year in the playoffs that allowed them to upset Milwaukee was Crowder was one of the stable of defensive options that they had, uh, include you know as well as Jimmy Butler and Andre Iguodala, mostly mostly those three players and Bam. But what they did was, no matter who it was that was sort of the primary option, that, that he saw help immediately and swarms of it. He saw multiple bodies between him and the basket at all times. He turned the ball over a ton. Had to take bad shots. Has has basically developed a mid range and post game a little more this season in response to it. And so we saw that. And Bridges is, if you're doing the help part of it, about as perfect as you could imagine. He's not very strong, which is another thing I mentioned online during the game, which is just the Suns don't have a ton of physically just overwhelming strong players, which is a bad thing when you're going against Giannis and this Bucks team. But Bridges has the the length to affect the play, just sort of getting his hands and, and his arms involved. Like he can create steals, he can make you uh, bobble the ball or have to tighten your handle or pick up your dribble before you want to, all that type of stuff. So I was con- kind of surprised just again how I think the Suns will learn a lot from this game, just using Bridges that way, using Crowder more on the ball because I think he is their better option and at least mixing things up a little bit more rather than leaving Aiton on an island like they did a lot of the game. Aiton did help hold up pretty nicely, though. I, I do want to say I don't have a great way to talk about his game necessarily, but I do think he played quite well on defense, and there were a lot of stretches offensively as well where he was able to... It, it was, to me, a game that showed that even in a smaller role like he has this year... There are just going to be games where organically he's going to end up scoring a lot of points. Like he had a couple post-ups on Lopez where he sealed him. He had a three. And so I think Aiden had a really nice all-around game, despite the game plan kind of going, making life hard on him. But I think that is is sort of my thoughts on Bridges. He did have seven, he did force Middleton rather into a seven of 17 game, which was pretty impressive. Middleton's been on a tear all year. He's had an elite season, even better than the past. Yes, Middleton had 11 assists, his second straight with double digits there with Drew Holiday out, but for Bridges to make him go 7 of 17 was pretty good. Also had three turnovers, so I think a lot of credit there defensively. Bridges basically defending like a point forward in this game, and Middleton quieter than his usual self. I I believe he had 30 and 12 against Denver on Monday. So a much quieter game tonight, largely 
because of what Bridges did. The other one I would say is another addition to the Facundo Campazzo all-star team that I've added slowly but surely to. I, I don't want to make it too big man heavy, so I might have to to, to pump the brakes here, or maybe we can start to fill out the bench and then add the starters as we go. But it's Brooke Lopez. And part of that's predictable, right? We know how the Bucks defend. If, if you've watched Milwaukee since Mike Budenholzer took over, especially, and actually at this point, really only when Lopez is in the game, they've actually adapted a little bit more this year, which is good to see just as a guy who doesn't want teams to underperform anymore. The Bucks do play differently sometimes, but for the most part, Lopez, when he's in there, is going to be dropping really deep, right? He's going to be at the free throw line, basically, which is how Aiton made his three tonight, and waiting for you to come to him. And Chris Paul is exactly the wrong player to let do that, right? That's where Chris Paul wants to be. That's, that is his spot, and that's where you're letting him get when you defend that way. So, it might have just been sort of obvious that we were going to see this game where Paul was in a in a groove offensively lately and was going to be taking advantage. But nevertheless, he had just a couple of stretches in this game. He had a, 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 a juke on Chris Middleton, I believe, in the second quarter or third quarter where he got free. And he had just tons of possessions in this game where his dribble... And his just overall awareness, the the way that he's manipulating with that that three level scoring going, as well as the passing, that that Lopez just didn't know what to expect. And and it's it's I guess it's the shot that the Bucks are, are fine living with. And at the end of the day, is that the reason they lost? Probably not, because late, as I said, Paul and Booker's mid range jumpers actually were not going in. I think the Suns really won this game late because of the defensive performance that they put together but at the same time Paul got 28 basically full of shots that the Bucks were actively letting him have so I think Lopez for that reason gets added here to the Facundo Campazzo all-stars in addition to not only Campazzo himself but remember Willie Cauley-Stein is in there as well from the Mavericks games so we're filling out a team here uh, little by little and I mean Paul with those shots really quick one last thought on that it's crazy to me how Paul can make those mid-range jumpers without even looking. Like if you watch, he's using his eyes like a quarterback to, he mostly keeps his eyes on the roll man and in most cases that would be Aiton and wants the defender to think that there's that pass is still a possibility until the very, very last second. So if you look, when he jumps sometimes, his eyes aren't even on the basket. He turns his head to the basket when he's in the air and that little bit of hand-eye coordination that's needed at the very tail end of the release is is all that it takes for Paul to, to get that shot in. It's really crazy. Um, I just the more we've seen it lately as his scoring has been been ticking up has just been crazy. And especially being there in person, like you, you get some of that stuff a little bit more that you don't have to worry about what the camera's on. And some of those shots are just that you like you really do genuinely get the impression he could make them in his sleep like he could make them with his eyes closed like if he had a, a blindfold he could dribble up to the free throw line and make a jumper and no one would bat an eye it's 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 preternatural for sure but Paul uh adding another another all-star to his uh to his list of opponents here that he has pretty thoroughly detonated on and uh, Lopez, uh, a worthy addition. But that'll close us out. 125-124, the Suns move to 15-9. and nine. They are winners of four straight. 
couple days off before they face the Sixers. That means I will have a guest on for the Friday show. Still working it out. I want to take stock of where the Suns sit in the West right now. So I'm gonna gonna find a, a, a guest who can help me do that. We'll see who that becomes. But check those feeds first thing Friday morning. And until then, enjoy this Suns win. Bask in it. Enjoy it. Talk to your friends about it. Tell them about this show if you haven't. And remember to check out Rock Auto. As we get ready for 2021, I think hopefully we're going to be driving around a little more, making some road trips, things like that. Get that car in working condition. Do it at rockauto.com and do not pay more than you have to. All right, guys. Enjoy your Thursday.